It's a great time to learn the word of God. What do you think? Great time. It's beautiful to be in the presence of God. I tell you, there's no other place you'd rather be. Not just on a Sunday morning, but I mean, this will be our life. I mean, inquiring in his temple, living for him. So we, we, are, we are continuing the topic Christ and Christianity. And um, we've really gone quite far with it. Now, even though there's a lot... There's a lot that I've not covered, and if I'm to take the topic, the way I put it across for you, okay, it will take us forever because God alone is what we've been treating from the beginning to now. We've not even come to Israel. We've not gone to Christ in the church. So I'll, I'll try and summarize them up so we can do other things within the year, so I can teach other things within the year. So um, we, we've talked about God, all right? We've talked about God in detail. All right, and if you have been following what I've been teaching very well, your knowledge of God should have been more accurate. You know, day in, day out, as we study, as we learn the Word of God, you you notice that there is a sharpening, all right, there's a sharpening of your knowledge of God. You we are removing the unnecessary assumptions. The unnecessary um, assumptions that make people question and say, if there's God, why this? If there's God, why that? Because when you understand from the scriptures who God is, because of what or who, um, who he said he was, you, you know that you have to ask relevant questions. As against you assuming this is who God is, and because of that, this should happen. You see, we don't assume who God is. We check from what he said. So I, I began with telling you that if you want to know God, there are two extreme tangents that are given to us in the word. That's the scripture, through the scripture, and through experience. Now, I told you last week, I said, as a Christian, don't build all you know about God and spiritual things don't build them on assumptions. Don't build them on dreams. Don't build them on vision. Don't build them on somebody gave me a prophecy. Somebody, as I was sleeping, something did this. Don't build them on that. First of all, you have to build them on the scriptures because if you don't build them on the scriptures, it will not be solid enough to take to the bank. So, for example, um, a dear sister came to, to me. A dear sister came to me. She came with a, a family, right? So she told me when she came, before she came, she saw a vision that this will happen. Now, when she was leaving the house, the thing didn't happen. So I tell her, so what happened to your vision? You see, you don't. I remember when I, when I got saved, I told you before, I said I went to pray 10 hours. What was my reason for praying 10 hours? I said I wanted to see Jesus. Looks like a wonderful pursuit. It is not a, it is not a smart pursuit. It looks like, like if I wanted, what's wrong with me wanting to see Jesus? I'm praying for 10 hours. Jesus will show himself to me. Now, first of all, you have to understand that Jesus didn't promise to show himself to anybody. I was talking to a lady the last time. That's what she was, she was, she was saying. When she, was, she, she has prayed that God didn't show herself. She has prayed. I said he never promised that he's going to show himself to anybody. What he said is, Lord, I am with you always. Believe it. Let's move. So 
That's about God. So we talked about who God is. We talked about God is, you have your notes. All right, so one is, uh, God is, God is a spirit. Number two, God is light. Number three, God is love. Number four, God is life. Number five, God is a faith God. Number six, God is a prophetic God. Number seven, I gave you number seven. God is an eternal God. Hmm. Today, for example, when I was coming to church, I was like, Lord, everything I've been, te- I've been teaching them on this topic, do they understand it at all? It's like, your love, Lord. So I remember watching, uh, you see on their status, PCO. When you see PCO, that means they didn't understand it. <laughs> you know, because knowing God has nothing to do with being an intellectual. It has nothing to do with it. You can be the best English student and yet not know God. Because the scriptures are veiled. You require the Holy Ghost to understand them. That's why people say there are contradictions in the Bible. There's not one. There's not one contradiction. All right. Let's move. I'll, 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 let me burst a few things. Let's move. There's Daniel chapter 10. In Daniel chapter 10, the angel appeared to Daniel and said, all right, from verse 20. I'll show you something there. From verse 20, he says, Then said he, that's the angel speaking. He said, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee, and now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia? And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. Gabriel is speaking. Verse 21, he says, But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. So the point I want to bring out for you, for you here is scripture of truth. You see, he calls the scripture, he calls it scripture of truth. The word of God gives us the truth. Scripture is the truth. I told you when you want to know what scripture is, for example, God can tell you, Eat this. It doesn't make it scripture. So scripture is not necessarily just what God has said. Scripture is what God has said that he expects to be referred on. Now, the fact that God tells you to pray every 3 a.m. is not scripture. So you cannot go and tell another person to do it. It could be God's private dealing with you. But if you want someone to build his faith on the knowledge of God, you will have to deal with on what God has said concerning scripture. If it comes to the topic of prayer, he said men ought always to pray and not to think. That is enough as scripture of truth. Now, I'll show you something in, in the book of Genesis, all right? Now, there was a lady I was speaking with just three days ago, and she was um, asking some questions. She said she read somewhere that Adam had another wife, called Lilith. Some of you have read those nonsense, right? All right, all that rubbish. Now, they said they've read that. Have you ever heard it? Yeah, Lilith. They said Adam had Lilith. And I'll tell you where the argument is coming from, and I'll show you where they have it wrong. You see, the scriptures explain themselves. First of all, I told her, I said, you are reading rubbish. 
Everything God wants us to believe concerning him, he has put in, in the scriptures. Ah, oh, but there are other books, and they, why didn't they add those other books? Because those books were irrelevant to the topic. Were there other books? Yes. Were they relevant to whether? No. And I told you the reason why. I said, because the Bible is not just a historical material. It is what we call prophetic history. So not every historical material made it into scripture, into the canon of scripture. For it to enter the canon of scripture, it has to be prophetic history. That means there must be a thus saith the Lord. And that thus saith the Lord will have to have its reference in other books by other writers. Now, go to the book of Genesis. Let me tell you where they got the Lilith from. So when the lady asked me, he said, oh, they said um, Adam had a wife called Lilith. Now, this is their argument. And if you're not schooled in scripture, you will think they have an argument. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. He says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping that occupied upon the earth. All right? Now, verse 27. He says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, male and female created he them. So they said, that means Adam had a wife. You see, they said, male and female created he them. Then later in Genesis chapter 2, we now read about how God now took Eve from the rib of Adam. Are you getting the argument? So it looks here like, oh, then that could be true. Because later when you go to Genesis chapter 2, there's no, the, um, Eve now comes into the picture. Then I said, this is where you got it wrong. You see, God must be known. You see, God must be known. And when you don't know God, you will read the scriptures and they will be veiled. And you'll come up with names and things. Lilith and Akusia and different things. All right, so let me show you what actually happens here. Now, I told her, I, right, let me not talk like I'm talking to her because I finished talking to her. Now, let's talk. So he says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Hold on. Hold on. Later in Genesis chapter 2, we start talking about Eve. But there's a problem here. In Genesis 1 verse 27, it says, God created man in his own image. Okay, go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 verse 6. Okay, verse 7. Now look at this. He says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now, it's, go to verse 6. 5, verse 5. He says, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. I thought in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, God had already created man. In Genesis chapter 2 he says, and there was no man to till the ground. What happened? Now, you now start understanding what creation actually meant from here. Because in many people's mind, creation meant God said, trees should come and trees came immediately. That's not what actually happened in the creation story. This will help you. Okay. If God said trees should come in Genesis chapter 1, verse, Genesis chapter 1 and trees came, what went from Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, that every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was no man to till the ground. That means every plant of the field was not there. 
every herb of the field was not there. And why was it not there? Because the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. So what, everything that was happening in Genesis chapter 1, was it a joke? Now, this is the key. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. So I want you to catch that first one. God created man in his own image. Now, when we say God created man in his own image, you know what people start thinking? They are, th- they are thinking of features. They are thinking, all right, look at this. Some people have big eyes. Some have small eyes. So which one is the image of God? <laughs> when the Bible says that um, God created man in his own image, he is not necessarily talking about features. John, 5, um, John 4, 24. God is a spirit. Hold on. That means this is the image of God. That's the fabric. That's the fabric. So when God created Adam and man in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, what he created was a spirit. What he created there, go back to Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. What he created there, because the image of God is not flesh and blood. So what God created there is spirit of man. That's why Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, and God formed man. He didn't use created man. When he said, and God formed man, what was God now doing? He was now putting flesh on the spirit. He was putting flesh on the spirit he had created. How do we know? Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, he said, so God created man in his own image in the image of god now look at the reverse the reverse will help you understand something i'm about to say he says so god created man in his own image then he reverses it and says in the image of god created he him the reverse i'm like i'm saying will help you understand something it means there is a certain nature of god of fabric that the spirit possessed the spirit of god possessed that's god being a spirit there's a certain if you if you look at god's spirit that means adam was exactly that and what is that nature male and female created heathen that means god is male and female now hold on before you start thinking it's not true Before you start thinking it's not true, I I, I can give you countless scriptures to to know that, but I'll come to that. Because the spirit of, you know, God himself is this too. Because if it was an external force, if woman was an external force, God will not take woman out of man. Now, this will help you to understand Genesis chapter 2 very well. In Genesis chapter 1, verse, he said, male and female created he them, one spirit. So after he formed man, man was complete. Now he says he wants woman. He didn't go and create again because male and female created he them. He now brings the woman out of the man because the woman had always been in the man. 
Now, how do we know that God is both male and female? Do you, know, do you understand the word El Shaddai? Strong and breasted one. Do you understand it? No, I want you to understand. Anytime you say El Shaddai, El Shaddai, do you know what you are saying? Strong, the Hebrew word for strong is paternal. The Hebrew word for breasted is maternal. So when you don't know this about God, you will believe the Lilith story. In Genesis chapter 1, you will see Adam came full. Now, I'm still, I'm still on it, all right? So after God took the rib out of Adam, eh, took the rib out of Adam, something happens. It means man now becomes incomplete in a sense. Woman to become incomplete in a sense. Because these are two dimensions of God. Because if you are looking, let's say the way women are wired. Emotional. Is there? Come again. Impulsive. This matter you are going to bring. He said it. Even though I repeated it, I don't... I don't side with him for peace sake. They like attention. They like you to give them time. God is like that. Pe, 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 pe. There's a side of God like that. The other side of God, which is the man's side, success oriented, go for the goal. Now, this is it. Because God now splits the dimensions. Man becomes incomplete in a sense. Woman too becomes incomplete in a sense. So he said, when a man leaves his father's house and a joint man, they become what? So sister Lilith, go back to your house. When I was sharing on who God is, who God is, one of the most important parts of it was actually number six. God is a prophetic God. I didn't dive very deep into that. One of the very, very important things about God is a prophetic God is actually what we call similitude. Hosea chapter 12. Hosea chapter 12. Somebody said, okay, because of what Pastor said, I have to go and look for my missing rib. <laughs> we are complete in Christ, Amen. Verse 9, we move. <laughs> and I, that am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, will yet make thee to dwell in tabernacles as in the days of the solemn feast. Verse 10, I have also spoken, now, God is speaking. God said, I have spoken. Remember I said God is a prophetic God. When God starts speaking, this is what you, you will start noticing. He said, I have also spoken by the prophets, one, and I have multiplied visions too, and I have used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. These are four different things he has talking about. Now, the one I want to bring out here is similitude. Similitude is like, um, similitude is like poetry. He's using symbols, using signs, speaking by similitudes. So, we are getting into, I'm moving from God, we are going into Israel, all right? Now, 
When you enter Israel, you would like the story. The reason why it's important to know this is some people don't understand where they are, what, what their faith means. They don't understand why I'm a Christian. So someone can easily tell them, oh, Christianity is, is um, white man's religion. So and they easily say that, oh, white man brought it to us to control us. Because they don't understand anything. And sometimes this is just basic academic knowledge. So let's look at the reason why we say Christianity is not a religion. I say it's not a religion. You'd see it there. You'd see it there. There's... <laughs> okay, so let's go to Israel. Because it did not start with us. It came from somewhere. So we need to understand where it's coming from. He said, I have also spoken by the prophets and have multiplied visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. Now let's go into, into um, Israel. How did God begin with Israel? Now, I like my drawings. All right. Now, Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. He says, The word of the Lord came unto Hosea, the son of Beri. In the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Verse 2. Hmm. The be- <laughs> you love this story. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. For the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. Similitude, God wants Hosea to prophesy about Israel committing whoredom. So he says, Hosea should go and marry a prostitute. So, okay, give me the book of, give me message translation. Because the whoredom is not, it's not hitting well. I wonder what the journalists in that day will say. They will say Hosea is a false prophet. You cannot please God and men at the same time. Verse 2. The first time God spoke to Hosea, he said, find a whore. Now, imagine God is calling you. You are just there. My son, I'm calling to be a prophet. What is my job description? (laughs) This is your job description, Hosea. Find a whore. Go to Vienna City. (laughs) Vienna City. Some of you know Vienna City. Do you know Soja Bar? You don't know Soja Bar? Some of you are really new in the system. Okay. He says, find the hope. Even message translation is still not making it. No. Huh? New living translation is better, right? Give me new living translation. <laughs> Similitude. When the Lord first began speaking, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Uzziah, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute. Wow. I'm not saying you can't marry a prostitute. But for a prophet to marry a well-known prostitute, a prophet, Israel will not respect you. So, this one. There's no prophet. Leave him. His waist is sweating him. Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate a whole man's life. 
It's for illustrations. <laughs> no, no. What kind of ministry is this? No, what kind of ministry is this? That God, now, God came to you. He wants to you. He wants to make a drawing. He wants to make an illustration. He said, "Go in." You know, true prophets go through a lot. That's what people don't know. Because you don't. When you say a true prophet, he doesn't just prophesy. It's not about mentioning names and numbers. No, a true prophet. No, no. I, 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 I'm able to do it. So I'm not. I'm not being judgmental about it. A true prophet. The first thing you notice about them is they carry burdens. Because you cannot prophesy something you are not carrying. It's like a pregnancy. You carry a burden. So now God wants Hosea to prophesy concerning the way the children of Israel had hoard against him God and had prostituted against him God. So he, should, he will never be able to prophesy accurately until God says he should marry a prostitute. Let the prophet, uh, prostitute cheat on him. How he will feel? He will know how God is feeling. What an illustration. No, I mean, if they sit on you once, your head will be blazing. I want to say something, but I won't say it. I will not say it. I have determined to stand for peace. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Okay. This should show you, first of all, that means God was married to Israel. You see, God was married to Israel. That's why in between the God and Israel, I put a ring over there. That's the drawing over there. <laughs> so you know what? You know what? Adam and Eve coming together to marry, marriage is actually a similitude. It's not a real thing. Man and woman coming together is a similitude. It is one of the illustrations that God is telling concerning the mystery of marriage. So Ephesians chapter 5 says, this is a mystery. Then he says, and I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he said, it is a mystery. So marriage is actually a mystery. Marriage is not, I love you, you love me. So every time on earth you see somebody marrying, it is a similitude. That is why when this earth passes away and heaven passes away, there will not be any marriage again because the ultimate marriage would have happened. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 32 said, this is a great, okay, start from 30, let's start from 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. Verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and this and they too shall be one flesh. Then verse 32 said, this is a great mystery. He said, this is a great mystery. So you will see the similitude. So the day Adam and Eve got together, it's, it's, I don't want to use the word, it reminded God. I, I wish there's a word for, for future. It featured God. God saw the eternity future. And he saw the mystery of marriage that he has planned from the foundation of, of the world. It was God's idea. That is the reason man and man is an abomination. It's not in a similitude. It's not a mystery. 
It's a demystery. So I'll say, I, I went, the pastor is homophobic. That English you are speaking, I don't understand it. You are speaking English. Any word can be con, like conjured for anything. You are speaking English. What I know is the scriptures. I don't see the mystery. Because every, like, when, when God married Israel, he was expecting something. When he didn't get it, he divorced Israel. Whew. Are you following? So God and Israel. God was saving the world, all right? The salvation story does not just come in, all right, I'm just sending my son to come into the world. No, no, no. God had to, first of all, identify with a nation, all right? God had to identify with a nation, and I will quickly show you that. God had to identify with a nation. He had to choose a nation and identify with them. And by identifying with them, the law of life began. Okay. Go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5. So when Adam sinned, something happened. Death came into humanity. Death came into the world. Death came among men. All right? So death was reigning. Now look at Romans chapter 5, verse 14. He says, nevertheless, the first day I read this scripture, I was stunned. I was, I, was, I, was, I was like, oh, oh. Look at this. He says, nevertheless, death reigned. Look at this. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. I was like, no. It's supposed to be death reigned from Adam to Jesus. Think about it. If it's by what we know, that death definitely stopped reigning. Jesus, when Jesus died, life came. No, he said death reigned from Adam to Moses. Why? Because when Moses cut the covenant with God over Israel, death stopped reigning over Israel. So death was no longer reigning by reason of the law. By reason of the law, death was no longer reigning among Israel. So Israel became God's people, through which there was no longer the reign of death. That's why there was a time Jesus Christ was, was walking in the, in the temple, and a woman came who was bent double. And the woman came, and Jesus Christ spoke to the woman, healed the woman, and the woman became straight. Then the Pharisees were angry, like, How, why is he healing on a Sabbath? Then Jesus said, this woman, he said, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, he said, be loose from her infirmity? This woman is supposed to be loose. Why? Because she belongs in the fold of Israel. Once she belongs in the fold of Israel, she's not even supposed to express at all. Are you getting it? She's not, able, she's not supposed to even express it at all. So death stopped reigning among Israelites. So you look at... Um, Deuteronomy chapter 28, it talks to them about the blessing. He said, blessed shall thou be in the city. Blessed shall thou. He said, if only you obey the law. So by the law, God made a covenant with Israel and he cut death away from them. So these people were enjoined to God. Now when we say death, the first thing you think about is not cessation of life. You start thinking about um, people separated from God. 
So now, the world was separated from God. The Gentiles were separated from God. But God carved a people for himself. And the reason for carving a people for himself is because he will have to bring the Messiah from that nation. Or what we call, who we call the Christ. You have to bring the Christ from that nation. So now, he now starts mentoring or raising a people. He starts with Abraham. Abraham gives birth to Isaac. Isaac gives birth to Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, and they start the nation. And the nation starts. The nation starts. So those people became God's people. When Moses brought them out, he gave them the law, cut, cut a covenant with them, and by reason of the covenant, God now became connected to Israel, or he married Israel. Now, question is, where did we come in? How then did we come in? Since God's dealing is with Israel, he gave them the laws. He gave them the commandments. That's why I tell people, the Ten Commandments has nothing to do with you. The Ten Commandments has nothing to do with you. Some are still shocked. It has nothing to do with you. Because those were laws that were given to the children of Israel. Are you a children of Israel? We function with a different, a whole different thing altogether. But you see, our roots are from there, spiritually. All right, so go to um, Galatians chapter 3. So now with this, with this background, you would understand this very well. Let's start from verse, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. Now, this law that he gave the children of Israel, they were not able to follow the law. They were not able to follow the law fully. So God says, but that no man, okay, let's start from verse 10. We'll put it in better uh, perspective. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Oh, this is scripture. Are you catching it? He said, but as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, curse is everyone that continued not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Okay, you might not, let me quickly explain that. Now, for example, the law is such that, now, when you think of the law, the law is not just ten commandments, all right? There was laws, there were ordinances, there were commandments, you know, there were the judgments, all those things, the statutes. Now, all these laws together were such that when you sin against one, you have sinned against all. So, one mistake, you have sinned against all. So, people saw that, okay, there's nothing we can do about this. So you know what we're going to do every year. Let's just go and beg for our sin. Simple. Because we will still sin. So a lot of Christians have picked that and are trying to work by that. Say, oh, we are all sinners. No, you are not. You are not. For as many, are, as, as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, curse is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Now, Paul is making an argument, saying, okay, then what justifies? If the law does not justify, he says the just shall live by faith. We'll get there. Verse 12, he says, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. <laughs> the man that doeth them shall live in them. So someone who says, I'm following the law, you have to follow it to the full. You have to, we have to go and... We have to make you an Israelite. We'll take you to Jerusalem tomorrow. You have to follow the law. Now, when we say following the law, you have to be ready to get lamb every day. Oh. Hmm. Verse 12. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Verse 13. 
He says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, when he says Christ has redeemed us, he's not referring to Christians. He's referring to Christ has redeemed the world. Christ has brought the world back to God from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone that hanged on the tree. Verse 14. That what should happen? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So, what is the whole essence of everything? The whole essence of the gospel and Christianity is that the blessing of Abraham, because you see, the covenants, the covenants that God cut, he cut the eternal covenant with Abraham, then he cut a covenant with Moses. That's why I said, we are, okay, I think it was in the second service I explained. I said, we are not in a covenant with God. Like Christians who say, oh, I have a covenant with God. We are in a covenant with God. We are not in a covenant with God. The covenant God had, he had it with Abraham. And Abraham's covenant was an eternal covenant. The covenant God cut with Moses was a national covenant that had to do with Israel. And that's what came with the laws and the commandments and the statutes and the judgments. Someone says, okay, then what about the new covenant? We are still not in a new covenant with God. Why? Because we... The old covenant never applied to us. So if we don't, never had an old, we're from the new. That the blessing of Abraham. So everything just has to do with everything God promised Abraham. He said that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now jump to verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither born nor free. There is neither male nor female. Okay, let's start from verse 26. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. All right? Verse 27. He says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So he said, If you have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. So in Christ, he now mentions what happens in Christ. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. So in Christ, there's no nationality. There's neither BLM or ALM. I'm telling you, in Christ, there's no race. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither born nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Someone said, ah, Pastor, he said there's neither male nor female. So, someone actually asked me that. He said, so marriage. I said, when you enter into marriage, you have gotten into an institution. Okay, let me explain. Someone said, that means I don't have to submit to my husband because we are all one in Christ Jesus. And I said, now, look at it like this. In Ghana, we are all citizens. Since we are all citizens, tomorrow morning I'm going to sit on Nanado's seat. <laughs> or, I need your support. <laughs> no, no, Nanado might not worry me. Let me say, the commander general, the army commander, tomorrow I'm going for his shirt. He must allow me because I'm a citizen of Ghana. Once you come into marriage, you have come into an institution. We are all citizens, but your boss shouts at you, can you talk? <laughs> you have come into an institution, there you are in an office. Even though you are all citizens, you all have the same equal rights in the nation. But once you get into the institution, there is managing director. There is security man. All right, verse 29 is my point. Verse 29. If, oh, and if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. If ye be Christ. Then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. So when, oh God, oh God, once you become, 
born again, you come into Christ. He said, then you become Abraham's seed. So I, I use this to explain. I said, this is why we are not in the covenant, all right? Please come, please come. Use this to explain it. So, covenant, covenant. This young man standing here, let's say you, you went to town. You saw this nice lady. And at the time you saw her, she was not wearing face marks. Otherwise, you didn't have seen her well. But when you saw her in town, so wow, this is bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. And you told her, you said, the Lord is ministering to me, sister. I'm in the realm of the prophetic now. Then vibes and stories and vibes and things and things and calls and dates. Then the sister said, okay, I have agreed. Wow. Then you marry the sister. When you marry the sister, you have come into covenant with the sister. Usually they use the ring to signify it. That is the covenant. Then you give birth to this son. <laughs> this son is not in a covenant with his father. Come on. How did, he's not in a covenant with his father. How did he get to the covenant with his father? He doesn't know anything about the covenant. He is the result of the covenant of the father and the mother. Come on. He is a result of the covenant between the father and the mother. He is not in a, he's not in a covenant with the, with the father. He is... He carries the DNA of his father. So he is the result of this covenant. So the same way, when you came into Christ, you never got into any covenant with God. What happened was, God cut a covenant with Abraham. He said, if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. You are the result of the covenant God cut with Abraham. And with Christ. So you are now the result of the covenant. So you are never in a covenant with God. You are the result of the covenant. So that's why we call it born again. By birth, you are entitled to rights. So because you were born in that house, you have rights in the house. Because you were born in that house, there are things that you carry the name of your father unprovoked. Are you catching it? So when we talk about Christianity, Christianity is not a religion has nothing to do with a religion. Religion has to do with, uh, okay, can you give me any dictionary uh, definition of a religion? And let me show you what Bible says concerning Christianity. Has nothing to do with that. All right, anyone, a belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power. Oh, my, come on. I'm not talking about superhuman controlling power. We are dealing with our father here. I needed believing to come in when I entered no more believing. When I entered no more believing, I'm now in a relationship. <laughs> come on. We are talking about spiritual realities here. Now, this is, it is truth. It's essence. It's actually, people live in this reality. All right? People live in this reality. Now, he said, I mean, our favorite scripture, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have. So no believing, have. So when we came to Christ, we had something. Just like this young man. If his father is a responsible man, if his father is a responsible man, once he is born of his father, he has trophies. He has food to eat. No baby is believing God for Sarilac. No baby is believing his mother 
for breast milk. Mother, mother, I'm believing God. Shobolondos, shobolondos. Mother, breast milk now. Mother, breast milk now. He's not believing. All he needs to do is to feel hungry and he doesn't care where you're going to look for it from. Just get me my food. Because I, I was not planning to come. You people have had your covenant. Hey! Thank you, baby. Seated. If ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. Then are ye Abraham's seed. What, what, what's, what's the blessing of Abraham? He said that the blessing of Abraham will rest on the Jedi. What's the blessing of Abraham? Genesis chapter 12. What's the blessing of Abraham? It means it comes on you by default. The blessing of Abraham comes on you by default. It's not something you pray for. You start walking in the blessing of Abraham. He said, and I'll make of thee a great nation. Greatness is conferred on you. You are entitled to greatness as a child of God. Greatness is conferred on you. Just like the baby does not have to pray to have the DNA of the father. You, you, you came, oh, you came with greatness. Am I talking to somebody here? You came with greatness. I was born great. You understand? It's in my, it, see, it, it's in my DNA. Even if I don't want to be great, it will come out. Can you stop, can you stop yeast from rising? You cannot stop yeast from rising. Once you put in the yeast, it's going to rise. You know, and a lot of God's people don't have this consciousness. So life beats them, then the devil knows that they don't know. So he plays them a different game. But you, you have to first of all realize, I'm a child of God. I'm a seed of Abraham. No. And I'll make of thee a great nation. I walk in greatness. I walk in greatness. I walk in greatness. It's in my DNA. It's in my spiritual DNA. <laughs> It's in my spiritual DNA. Oh my God. 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 He says, and I will bless thee. He told Abraham. He said, oh my God. He said, I will make of thee a great nation. Then he says, I will bless thee. In verse 2. Genesis chapter 12 verse 2. And I will bless thee. And I will bless thee. That means I walk in the blessing. You know, I, I talk about the blessing during Super Sunday. You need to understand. When you understand the blessing, you realize that even praying to God for money is a lower level. Because when you walk in the blessing, you are empowered to prosper. You see, God told them, the, even he told the Israelites, he told them, he said, even the, the trees of the field, he said, they don't, they don't, they don't pray for food. Don't pray for what to eat. Don't pray for what to eat. He said, not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of them. When you always find yourself praying for the things you need, you are violating something. Something is being violated. You are probably like the prodigal son. He was entitled to everything of his father. He said, Father, give me my path. Let me go. I was say he wasted it on riotous living. He violated something. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. He said, and I will bless thee. Then he said, and make thy name great. And make thy name great. You see, for your name to become a great name, you don't pray for it. It comes with that. Am I talking to somebody here? And make thy name great. God is making your name great. When you listen, listen the, when your name is mentioned, they will attach great things to it. These are not stories. These are not stories. The reason why I believe the Bible is because I've seen it work in my life. And thou shalt be a blessing. Verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee. So not only do you be, are you blessed, you become the object of blessing. It means, not only are you blessed, the one who blesses you is also blessed. So, I don't have to bother about anyone gossiping about me. You are going down. Yes. 
down. It's not prayer point. You're going down. He said, I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him that curse thee. Abimelech took Abraham's wife. Even though Abraham had, had, had lied, that is my sister. God never addressed the lie of Abraham. He went to Abimelech and said, return the man his wife or else I kill you. I'll bless them that bless thee. And I'll curse him that curse thee. He said, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I walked with this blessing as a young boy. When I enter people's house, I know by the time I leave there, things will start working for them. That's what I, I you, know, you understand? I'm, I'm, let me tell you, drop me in somebody's house, you'll start prospering. <laughs> hey! Take me. The, the person doesn't have to... Just drop me in his house. Let me just sit down. Bible says, and Joseph, and Joseph, and Joseph caused Potiphar to prosper. Because of Joseph, Potiphar was prospering. Potiphar didn't understand what was going on. Even in the prison, that's the nature of the blessing. That's the nature of the blessing. Jacob was in Laban's house. Jacob was in Laban's house. Laban was cheating him. He said he cheated him ten times. The more he cheated Jacob, the more Jacob was getting results. The more he cheated him. So don't go and say, hey, my office, they don't like me. He said, I will bless them that bless thee. You, you, they, ah, my office, my boss does not like me. My boss is dead. They have changed my office. They have demoted me. They cannot successfully demote you. They cannot successfully demote you. You know, when you, Lord, I'm a circle, when you understand who you are as a child of God, when you understand what the scriptures say concerning you, you understand that nothing works against you. There's nothing called disadvantage for you. If they sack you from your office, they've not lost. Uh, 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 you have not lost anything. If you were a good worker and they sack from office, you have not lost anything. They have lost what makes the company work. Oh, Makala Masakataya. If ye be Christ, then I ye Abraham's seed. Then I ye Abraham's seed. Do you know about, have you heard about the Israelites? Have you heard about the Jews? Till today, till today, when you check Forbes top 20, Half of them are Jews. Half of them are Jews. Because they are taught. When they are growing up, they are taught. You are blessed. Have you heard? Then they are growing up. So, okay, we are blessed. You cannot be defeated in war. Have you heard? Do you know the six days war? Do you know how many soldiers won the six, six, six days war? Do you know how many soldiers? There were just a few. There's no nation that was scattered like that that ever came back. And had language intact. It's called the blessing. You cannot, you, you cannot be disadvantaged. Oh, no wonder Paul said, he said, and we know that all things work together for good. He said, all things work together for good. All things, your mistake can work together for your good. All things work together for good. 
and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose and we know that all things work together for good and we know that all things work together for good and we know that all things work together for good and we know that all things and we know we are aware we are aware that all things work together for good why we are the seed of Abraham we are the seed of Abraham. When you pray, don't pray beggarly prayers. When you lift your hands and say, Father, I'm the seed of Abraham. Father, I'm the seed of Abraham. Then you begin to pray in tongues. I'm the seed of Abraham. 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 Remember that first service? I, I prayed for people who, who didn't have jobs. The testimonies that started coming in. The testimonies that started coming in. Some of you, answer to that. The answer to that is God will give you an idea. Go and start one. Because if they refuse to give you a job, make one. You have the wisdom. You have the ability. You, you, you have the power of the Holy Ghost supporting you. You have the blessing supporting you. It does not take time. You don't need to be, in, you know, doing business for 10 years before it, it, it works. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something about the kingdom of God. Come, the two of you should come. Let me show you something. This is something about the kingdom of God. Let's say these two guys. This one goes ahead. This one goes ahead. This one goes ahead and he's moving. Then this guy has not, you know, he's in, this, he's in the same spot. But he keeps doing everything he's supposed to do. He's paying his time. But it doesn't look like he's moving like this guy. So while this guy keeps moving, why this guy keeps moving? Why this guy keeps moving? Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Why this guy keeps moving? Why this guy keeps moving? You know what God can do? Stop. You know what God can do? You, you, you think that, ah, this guy's behind. He might never be able to catch up with this guy. It's not true. It's not true. The Bible talks about redeeming the time. That means, oh my God. That means God can stop time. You will see the clock ticking, but time has been stopped. Why? This guy's supposed to recover the time. This guy is supposed to cover the time, recover the time. So he said, redeeming the time, redeeming the time. So this guy stops over there. All of a sudden, time has stopped. A lot has, a lot has not happened. Then all of a sudden, you just hear that this guy has gotten a promotion that is equal to this guy. I can't lie. Hey, hey. He got, he, he gets a promotion that is equal to this guy. They're just wondering, ah, where did this guy come from? What happened was God, God manipulated time. Come on. Come on, when I went to when I went to Eric's church, that's what I taught them. I taught them, I said, he said the race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the strong. Do, 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 do you know the meaning of that scripture? You know, I, let, let me just let me just chance into that one, one minute. Let me just chance into one minute. He said the, the race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the strong. I'm just gonna explain that in one minute. He said, I returned and saw another son. That the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet to riches of men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. Now, people look at this and make it look as though, oh, if the race is not to the swift, that means the race will go in favor of the one that is not swift. No, it's not true. That is also a violation to someone who is swift. That's also a violation to someone who is swift. He said, no, battle to the strong. If it means if you are strong, you cannot win the battles. That's also a violation to the strong. You know the meaning of this? He said, but time and chance happening to them all. That means time is available to the strong. Time is also available to the one who is not strong. So the variable here actually truly is time and opportunity. God is manipulating time in your favor. I said God is manipulating time in your favor. If God manipulates time in your favor, everything 
everything, everything in the atmosphere begins to respond to you. Everything in the atmosphere begins to respond to you. I tell you, men are just, let me tell you, human beings, never put your trust in human beings. Never trust in human beings because human beings are just results of spiritual things. I'm telling you, human beings are just a result of spiritual manipulation. There's a time in my life that everybody in my circle, they don't like me. There was a time in my life, they all didn't like me. Today, they all like me. Because when God shifts one button, everybody must shift. There was a time I was persona non grata. Nobody liked me. It was one story after the other. And when, the story, when it was time, 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 time. When it was time, God just moved and said, are you all ready? Then he switched the button. Then, hey, ah! When it was time, everybody now just turned. He said, ah, what, was, what was going on? What was going on? Ah, we like you. We like you. We like you. We like you. Because you know what? Anybody at that time when God switched the button, anybody who does not like you, that means God has determined to destroy the person. Because he said, I will bless him that blesses you. And I will curse him that curses you. I said, God is manipulating time in your favor. I said, God is manipulating time in your favor. God is manipulating time in your favor. God is manipulating time in your favor. 